Welcome to the SSPX podcast and to questions with father number 29. It's been almost a year since our last episode of Questions with Father. If you're not familiar with this series, we take your questions that are submitted on our website, sspxpodcast.com, and our priests sit down from time to time to answer them. On this episode, we're happy to welcome Father Nicholas Gardner for the first time to answer a question about the family meal. The question was concerning whether or not it's really that important. Well, the answer is yes, but Father will explain how it's not just good for the family, but it's good for the practice of virtue as well and how this simple action can keep a family stronger, closer, and holier. If you have a question about the Catholic faith that you'd like answered on a future episode of Questions with Father, please visit sspxpodcast.com and click on Ask a Question. We may be able to answer it in a future episode, and you'll be able to find all the previous 28 episodes of the series there as well. Now, let's sit down with Father Gardner for a family meal. Father Gardner, thanks for joining us. Good to, ha- good to have you here. It's great to be here. Good to see you, Andrew. Great. So for uh, this is the first time I think we've had you on one of these podcasts. Uh, could you tell people a little bit about you who may not know who you are, Father? Oh, sure. Uh, my name is Father Nicholas Gardner, not Scott Gardner. He's the older, wiser Father Gardner, and there's no relation. Uh, I'm from Idaho, um, and I spent the first nine years of my priesthood in New York various spots in New York. And now I'm down here in Kansas, just got here in August, and I'm chaplain for the college, and I teach 42 eighth grade boys. And those are my main jobs here. Well, God bless you for that. Oh, I love them. (laughs) They're great. It's a good challenge. They're good kids. That's great. Um, Well, we wanted to have you on, Father. We do Questions with Father episodes whenever we get questions in via our podcast website. And one of the questions, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it was basically asking about, is a family meal really that important? Um, Do we really need to sit down as a family every night and do a family meal? And Father, you recently gave a sermon there at Assumption Chapel on the family meal. So we figured it would be uh, perfect to have you on to discuss this topic. So, where do we start when we're talking about the importance of a family meal? I guess, spoiler alert, we'll say, yes, it is important, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're wondering where to start then? Uh, yes, I guess. Uh, well, I got the idea to give the sermon because I knew I had to preach on Holy Family Sunday, and I thought it would be a good application of the Holy Family. And I just read an article on, I think it was Epic Times, about uh, studies that were done on the family meal. And how, in fact, yes, every night, it's super important, and the benefits in many different ways are really striking. All the things um, psychologically, uh, even their grades that improve, all sorts of things that get better for these kids, all things that are prevented. Um, drug use is just, it just plummets among families who have dinner together every night. So yeah, it's very important. Um, and so it struck me as a good example for a Holy Family Sunday, you know, they would have eaten they certainly did eat dinner together, or meals together, and it was a great, uh, you can only imagine how beautiful and happy those meals must yeah. have been. Right. So we're, we're looking at it from the, from the standpoint of the Holy Family. So um, how do we, I mean, we know it must have been important if the Holy Family did it, but um, where do we start when we're talking about the, the Holy Family and, and meals? Well, as with, pretty much everything in the hidden life, we don't know a great deal about it. It was the hidden life. So we only know some of the points that are made in the Gospels. But 
we know that their life was very simple, and the life of a carpenter's family would have been pretty simple. So we're not talking about uh, fine French cuisine, probably, for them. It would have been simple food. And then, you know, what really makes, as we know, a great meal with people is not it's not the food necessarily, it's the people that we're with. So that's what makes the family meal beautiful. It's a family meal where everyone sits down together and there are virtues you practice together that make it a real school of virtue. Um, and <clears throat> there, there are a lot of benefits that you can only really get from that. If, I think if parents are looking for ways that they can lead their family, fathers especially looking for ways they can lead their family, I think first we think of the rosary and the next thing we think of is the family meal. In the Gospels, we have we have lots of um, depictions of meals. Uh, Christ ate a lot of meals. There's there's seems like there's tons of examples there. Um, was there some significance before Christ's time in maybe pagan cultures or old, the Old Testament um, in terms of the family meal there? Sure. Uh, yeah. There's Old Testament references. Um, there's one there's one reference which just struck me because I was just reading a little bit of Homer and. Um, and in the Iliad, you actually get a great quote from, uh, not in the Iliad, in the Odyssey, a great quote from um, Odysseus. And it's, kind of, it's on the natural level, but we can already see a hint of how they recognize the sacred and uh, the value of a meal. So uh, Odysseus says, I myself feel there is nothing more delightful than when the festive mood reigns in a whole people's hearts and the banqueters listen to a minstrel from their seats in the hall while the tables before them are laden with bread and meat and a steward carries around the wine he has drawn from the bowl and fills their cups. This, to my way of thinking, is something like perfection. And the reason wow. why people, in fact, the Greeks were um, among their their counterparts over in Asia were known in fact for a spirit of kind of poverty and of simplicity of their life. So these were these events where they'd have these big feasts were really a religious thing. It was a chance for them to celebrate all the goods that the that the gods had given them. And then you have the instance of Zeus, of course, their primary god. Um he in addition to whatever other responsibilities he takes on, his big thing that he took personally was in fact hospitality the sacred nature of hospitality. So when the Greeks practiced hospitality, it was a way of, in fact, honoring the gods. Um, so of course, then you have St. Paul saying that, you know, in talking to some of his followers, they're saying how, how important it is to practice hospitality. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, of course, we um, men have entertained angels, not without realizing it, uh, by practicing, practicing hospitality. And then of course, like you said, there are just tons of examples in our Lord's life. Um, we have uh, right away in our Lord's public life, the miracle at Cana. So we have um, at a marriage feast celebrating a marriage, so the beginning of a family, we have our Lord performing a miracle. And um, that's one of the opinions, that's where the uh, sacrament of marriage is instituted. And then um, from there, our Lord's ministry is largely carried out at meals. Um, he was visiting sinners. He was visiting his friends, the apostles. He was visiting Pharisees. And this was often done at meals. This is where we do most of our important um, meeting with people in our life, whether it's business or family or whatever, it's at meals. We get together around that table. Um, and then you see, of course, at the end of our Lord's life, his last 
meal with his apostles. This was his chance to sort of finish his work with them before the Passion, and then also to speak to them with a level of intimacy that you don't really see it before then, the way he speaks mm. after the Last Supper. So, of course, at the Last Supper, then you have the, um, um, the institution of the, um, of the Mass, the first ordinations, um, the, so already the beginning of the greatest gift that God was going to leave us. He left us before the Passion, um, before he left his apostles at a meal. Um, then we have, of course, like we kind of come full circle back in the daily life of our Lord, we know that they ate together. And this would be probably the best time that the family, all, all three members, St. Joseph, Our Lady, and, Saint, and our Lord, would spend together um, just demonstrating their charity and their love for each other. It would have been, it was, it was the center of their life together. Wow. That would have been, that would have been beautiful to be a part of or to see. Um, looking at more practical aspects for a family today, um, in your sermon, you said that there are some cautions. Um, we've talked about how beautiful a family meal could be, but you said there, there are some cautions that we need to be aware of. Sure. Yeah, I think um, anytime that we want to raise our standards in a family or in a school or anything like that, we have to be careful to raise them too high, too fast, um, especially with something as, as beautiful and something that's supposed to be as affable and enjoyable as a meal. Uh, to turn right. the meal into a boot camp would be the opposite of what we want to do <laughs> with our families with the family meal. It would, you know, that, then the kids would be dreading the family meal instead of it being a source right. of joy for them. So um, we do want to be careful. And I think just as always in our families, we want to lead by example and by joy. Um, if you do have to, you know, give corrections at the family meal with some of the standards you want to have, I think you can do it more discreetly. You know, just kind of send, just kind of giving a look to somebody instead of calling them out, making them feel stupid sure. in front of everybody. Of course, there's a time and place for that, but uh, I think uh, there's there's a lot that we can do to gradually raise those standards. Um, and and another point I think that's worth looking at is sometimes some of these standards are not possible. You know, maybe a father has a really difficult work schedule and he just can't mm -hmm. be there with his family every night of the week, or maybe he's a trucker; he's got to be gone a lot, um, and so. Yeah, there's always a fear when we bring up some of these high ideals that some people are just in despair. They say, well, we can't have that, or this parent has died already. So right. how can we, ha we just can't have a good family meal then, and we are going to miss on all this. And that's not the case. So impossibility is quite different from just neglecting. Um, the example that struck me was Archbishop Lefebvre. So his father was gone for all these years, and so he had no father at home while his mother was scrounging for you know, rotten, moldy bread to feed them in the wartime because his father was in prison camp because he was a hero. Um, I think it's pretty clear we can look and say that it's not like our Trishop Lefebvre missed out on fatherhood. It's not like he didn't receive what he needed to, to be a good father. He's transmitted that to a whole priestly fraternity. Um, so is there a big difference between when we just neglect these things and we show our family we don't care about them and then when it's just impossible. So don't be discouraged, I guess, if you can't reach all these ideals that you might want to. Right, oh, that's, that's absolutely true. I'm, um, I'm gonna give a, a little shout out to my uh, brother, brother-in-law. Uh, when he and my sister first got married, um, he said, you know, my work schedule is insane. I might have to work until midnight some nights, but I will always come home for that family meal 
And then if I have to go back to work, I go back to work. But he made the effort to do that. You know, that was, and that's something that stuck with me as, you know, just re- recognizing the importance of that. You know, maybe, maybe, like you said, if, if a dad has a bad work schedule or, you know, a mom has a meeting or, you know, something, make that effort. That's what you're saying basically, right? Yeah, that's a, what a great example. Sounds like Joe. Right. Sounds like you're talking yeah. about something. Yeah. Like a great man. Great father. Yeah. In the family meal, we've talked about the practicalities of it, whether some things are possible or not possible, and kind of the attitude of the parents during a family meal. What about the virtues? Um, again, in your sermon, I'm, I'm kind of riffing off that. You you talked about how there are virtues that are possible to be attained during the meal. Where What is that, Father? Sure. Uh, well, right away, we think of charity, right? All these really just kind of are different aspects of charity. Um, but yeah, we can definitely look at different aspects. One that jumps out right away that we've already referenced is hospitality. So hospitality, it's a really beautiful virtue and you can see why the ancients prized it so highly in so many cultures, prized it a lot more highly than we do. Um, and what is it? So, so hospitality is making your home a delightful place for visitors, a safe and happy environment for them. Um, and for our own families too. Uh, and I think we could say that the sky is the limit for just how refined we can be in our hospitality. Um, what we can see, you, know, you don't need to be rich to practice hospitality. Um, you know, a rich person can, can be a lousy host, and yet you can have uh, someone who has very little to share, but they make up for that with the warmth of the love and and the affection of the reception, right? So uh, hospitality is a pretty refined virtue, and we could even think about what Our Lady's hospitality would have been like in the Holy Family. And taking that as an example, I mean, there's many ideas that you get from that. We realize when, when you see how much she loves sinners in uh, how she cares for us and she cares for the lowest sinner, how warm she would have been to anybody who came into her home. So um, yeah, the idea of the refinement of hospitality, it's pretty pretty deep topic I think to get into, to really taking care of people in your home. Now, one aspect of that that I think is overlooked is you wanna make your home, as a parent, you wanna make your home such a delightful place to be that your kids' friends are dying for an invitation to come over to your house. And, uh, and the reason for that is not just for your vanity, but rather because that's going to allow you to be a much better parent, way better parenting opportunities. If your kids' friends are coming over to your house, you can see what they're really like. You can see what your kids are really like. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, that just takes a step up when it gets to their, their dating life, uh, when they're young adults. You want, again, your home to be so, such a welcoming place that the people that your kids are dating are dying to come over and visit. And they want to come there for mm-hmm. dates. They want to come over to, for meals at your house. And then that's when you really get to know them. And, you know, to kind of flip the coin a little bit for the young people who are dating, you got to realize that that's where you're really going to get to know the person that you want to marry, that you think you want to marry, is by seeing them around their family. Um, not to say that everyone's going to perfectly repeat what their family is and what they're coming from, but it just gives you a better idea where that person is and sure. um, uh, what they're going to be like in marriage uh, at that point that should be about the most joyful of your day when the family is all together. Um, so I think there are a lot of a lot of great opportunities just for hospitality alone. Uh, we could go through tons of things, but uh, one of the other big ones is gratitude. Obviously, um, gratitude is a um, 
having gratitude and not showing it is like baking a cake and not giving it to somebody, right? But uh, the idea of just feeling gratitude is already super important. And without even expressing it, just what occurs to a kid when they're sitting at a table and they see, wow, dad worked hard to get us all this food. Mom lovingly prepared dinner for us. And we're all sitting down together now in this to have to share it together. There's already sort of a, uh, an intuition for gratitude that's going to click in those kids that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and then there's another le level of gratitude, and that's that's when they look back when they've grown up, and maybe they're I don't know maybe they're starving bachelor eating ramen, or they're uh, in a new family, and they can look back and see that their family did things right. And they can have a sense of honor and gratitude and love their family for what they received. And then they can stand on that honor that they have for their family in transmitting the same thing to their family in the future. Um, so that's hospitality, gratitude, uh, patience is pretty obvious. We can be patient with food. We can be patient with people. Um, you know, keeping everyone together at the table until the meal ends, there's a big one. Um, you can re definitely see that in families that have a refined sense of manners that, um, that it's not a big deal for the kids to stick around and engage in conversation until the meal's over. It's hard to get there for families that aren't doing that, so it takes yeah. a little patience. Um, boy, I can just keep running down the list here if you like, but um, um, generosity, obviously. Um, and generosity is an interesting one because um, it just means basically looking outside of your own little bubble. So uh, a big part of that really just means... Um, kind of lifting your head up a little bit and seeing that other people need things at the table. Uh, that's another beautiful practice is just kind of identifying that people need things before they even ask for them. So they don't have to interrupt the conversation to get a second helping. Also just noticing that someone else hasn't gotten something so you don't clear out, you know, all the last of whatever it is before they get it, uh, not taking the best of everything. So the generosity to kind of pick yourself up and uh, keep your head on the swivel to notice the others and get out of yourself. Um, one place that this is especially noticeable, so I, I had the joy of working at uh, a boarding school for four and a half years up in Syracuse. And, um, and those boys, excellent boys uh, that I miss. And, um, but one tendency that high school boys can have if they're, if they're not working against it is they get hungry. Right? So they're doing sports, they're doing PT, they're studying hard, all this. And they can tend to sort of lower themselves to about one inch off of their plate and then just sort of <laughs> shovel the food in uh, kind of all at once. Uh, and of course, you know, it's not, eating is a matter of life and death, but uh, we don't have to make it look like that. Uh, so, uh, and just kind of keeping a sense of generosity and looking around, taking care of other people prevents a lot of that, helps us to bring the food up to our mouths, right? And, um, right. right. Uh, the last two points that we looked at were, um, I think, the most important that you can practice at the table, uh, great examples of charity. And the first one is um, conversation. Um, now, you may say conversation isn't a virtue, but uh, if virtue is a, a good habit of the soul and one that you have to practice and get better at, uh, that's definitely conversation. Um, so it it's really a goldmine for parenting. You've got your kids right there with you. Everybody is, assuming the food is decent, they're content, they're happy, they're joyful, and they're, they're sitting there and listening, and they're in a mode for listening. So 
if you're neglecting that as a parent, well, it's not really smart. It's one of your great opportunities um, to talk to them and be listened, but also to um, to talk to them to get them talking, um, to ask them about what's really going on in their life and uh, who their friends are, what they're doing, and just draw them out and get to know them. Uh, it's a great opportunity as a parent. Um, and the interesting point about that conversation at the table is that uh, one of the, some of the studies I looked at, they, they were talking about the health that that promotes. Um, depression and drugs are they're almost like a non-factor in those families that are having a daily meal every day. Compared to those who don't, it's almost not even a factor. Um, obviously, it's still going to still gonna be an issue, but it's just way less in those families. And sure. then... Um, yeah, interestingly, the grades are a lot better for kids who hmm. practice a family meal together. I'm not sure why that is, but I think it's interesting. Um, the last one that I think we can look at is courtesy. Uh, and courtesy is, is called the flower of charity. So what that means is when charity is really strong and vigorous in us, it's going to be shown in courtesy, just like in a plant that's really strong and vigorous and it's receiving all the nutrients and water and sun that it needs, well, then it's going to grow up and it's going to produce the flower. It's the, like the crowning achievement of that that will then, of course, the fruit, whatever. But we call that the, uh, the flower of charity because when we're really full of love for each other, then we practice courtesy. Uh, and it's important to see it that way because otherwise we'll think of manners and courtesy just as this stilted way to act superior to other people and even to put them down by like, oh, well, you hold your fork like that, but I hold my fork like this. And, uh, and ultimately, it just becomes a way of being snobbish and superior. It's not a virtue at all. Um, but real charity, excuse me, real courtesy is based in love and respect for the person across from you. That's why we do it. And of course, the examples are so numerous that I'm not even going to go into them because we could be here all day with all the examples of courtesy manners. Sure. Sure. It's interesting. You, we've been focusing on, on the family, um, the family meal, you know, the, the normal mother, father, kids. Um, but at the Priory at, in St. Mary's, the, the priests all eat together every day too. And at the seminary, the seminarians all eat together. It's that same importance. Like, so I, w- I was thinking to, as you're talking, even in a group of, you know, not your normal quote unquote family, that family meal, that, that community meal is still important. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a great, it's super important. Uh, in the seminary, uh, that's where I learned a lot. In fact, I, I can thank firstly my parents, um, who were really classy and, and uh, really loving family where we got to learn manners at home. Um, but the seminary, I got to learn, I think, another level. Father Rue taught us a lot about the notion of fatherhood and someone who's sort of leading a table taking responsibility to make sure everyone's got what they need before he dishes himself up. Um, There's a really neat custom where when the food arrives at the table at the seminary, they'll first offer it to the highest ranking person at the table. And he takes it, and then he gives it to the guy next to him. And everybody else dishes up, and then he dishes up. So you respect both the notion that it should be given to him first, but then he follows that principle of leaders eat last um, once they've all been served. And a lot of beautiful things like that that are... um, that we learned from Father LaRue and at the seminary. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm still learning a ton. I see at the, here we have a dozen priests in St. Mary's plus the two brothers, so 14 of us at the table. 
And you'll notice a big difference, even in that big of a community, when certain people are gone, conversation will suffer a little bit because you realize those people are here drawing people in and engaging in a, a conversation. So yeah, still learning a lot um, from, like you said, different kind of family meals. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Father, thank you so much for talking with us. It's, um, it, it's the family meal is, I'd never thought of it as kind of this, like you said in your summer, like a school of virtue. It, it really is a, a way for us to practice virtue and instead of just feeding ourselves. <laughs> True. <clears throat> well, thanks, Andrew. Uh, it's, it's great to be able to visit with you. Great to be able to catch up with you for a few minutes anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. And looking forward to having you on uh, for another episode whenever you want to come back. Thank you. My pleasure. I look forward to it too. All right. Thank you for listening to and watching the SSPX podcast. In the meantime, if you like what you have been seeing and hearing, please consider a small donation to help support this work. It is free for you to listen to, to view, and to share, but you can imagine the resources that this takes. Please visit sspxpodcast.com, click on the support link, and consider a small monthly donation of 5 or 10 or $20, or a one-time donation works too. If you're not able to support this apostolate monetarily, you can help by sharing these episodes with friends or family members and by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And of course, the best thing to do is to help with your prayers. This project would be nothing without the priests who take their time to share their experiences and knowledge with us. So please pray for your priests. Thank you for listening, and until next time, God bless you.